Hello, what's up? This is Aiden Jones, and you are listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the fourth of August, twenty twenty. And um, how do I feel right now? Today's been it's been a weird morning so far. I um, do you ever do this? I I knew like I had TAFE like the TAFE course that I've been doing. It was on this morning, and I was. So like, all right, Melbourne stage four lockdown. That's where we're at. That came in on Sunday night. And um, that means all schools are closed. And my TAFE course, which is half online anyway, is now completely online. There's no practical, which is weird because it's like a horticulture course. It's gardening. It's whatever. And uh, we've been doing this unit about work, health and safety and the last two have been online, but today was supposed to be practical. So we go in with laptops and whatever. But with the new lockdown, everything's gone to online. But actually, Monday and Tuesday, the, the school shit, I've, for some reason, you don't have to go to fully online for schools until Wednesday. So today, through a kind of quirk in the thing... Like today, we could go in and do the um, and do the prac today, and I knew that, but I didn't want to go in. Like I just didn't want to, so I pretended to myself that I didn't know and that it was online. And then I woke up this morning and went online. Like it was, <laughs> like I went online to pretend to myself to be like, oh no, I've made a mistake. And then I messaged the coordinator and was like, I messed up. I thought it was online today. <laughs> <laughs> this whole I constructed this whole lie for myself and for them because I just didn't want to go in. Like I just <laughs> I knew, I knew, but I pretended to myself all last night and all today that I thought that I it was at home, but I knew it wasn't at home. I knew that. And I just didn't because I just didn't want to wake up at fucking 6:45. And I guess a part of it was like, well, I know for the next six weeks it's gonna be online. And so one last time I had to get up in the morning and go in and I was just like, I don't want to do that. So I'm just going to lie to myself and say, oh, yeah, so that's, um, and then, and then like there's morning and afternoon classes and my fucking, the lady who runs the work health and safety course, who is so lovely, was like, hey, you can um, come in the afternoon one if you want, which is at one. And <laughs> like, I don't want to do that either because then it just ruins my whole day because I would have to leave now. It's like 11 a.m. And then so I just straight up lied to her. I was like, oh, my, I need to have a meeting with my boss about, you know, whether we can do like work and f- <laughs> just some bullshit. And now she probably fucking knows that I'm lying as well. I don't know. I just didn't want to do it straight up. I just didn't want to go into Lilydale. Yeah. Uh, so that's that. Um. Yeah. The the job. I I started a new job last week, which was fucking awesome. Thursday and Friday, working for a friend of a friend's gardening company, doing uh, work on like rich people's gardens, basically. 
and that was awesome. And then I got the call yesterday saying that's off, and uh, the mood has been somber in Melbourne. If it wasn't already, fucking hell. I read an article last week in The Guardian. The Guardian's telling me that I've read 1,100 articles in the last, I don't know how long, but even just having read that many articles and they're like, so do you want to give money? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> That's no good, is it? Um, oh, thank you guys for listening. Fucking hell. Damn it. Fucking stupid fucking idiot. You need to fucking remember to say thank you. That's me. That's me imitating my internal monologue to myself when I forget something. I'm just so hard on myself. I just need to find a way. Oh, here. Let's see what my, my, my course coordinator just emailed me back. Oh, thank God. She said, all good. We would just have to organize a class when you're back on campus. You're not the only one that didn't make it today. So don't stress. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so nice, isn't it? I just feel the weight in my chest just go. Rah. You're okay, mate. You are fine. You're not the only one who didn't make it today. We're not bending over backwards just for you. And you know what? Even if we, you were the only one, we probably still would because we're lovely. Thank you, Box Hill. Or I don't know if I'm allowed to. Whatever. Oh, bit of tea there. Bit of tea. Let's just calm down. Let's relax. The guilt is gone. Here's something I've been thinking about, and it's got to do with these therapy things that I've been talking about the last few weeks. That guilt there. I didn't talk about this. This is what I was going to talk about last week, about the chairs, and I didn't. So when I was selling those chairs, I, um, I the last one was a different kind. They were all IKEA chairs, and then one of them was office works, and it had like a bit of a rip in the front. And... Um, I sold all the Officeworks ones, but the uh, sorry, I sold all the IKEA ones, but the Officeworks one was like a you know it was the rip and it was different and it, there was just one there, so I wasn't I was like ah oh, it'll go eventually. I'm not that you know I, I I'm not that anxious about whether it's going to sell or not, so I wasn't pushing that hard for it. I wasn't like lowering the price or anything. And there was one guy who was interested and he was going to pay the forty, and we organized everything, and he was going to come on Monday night, uh, this one month like a, a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, and then when he got to my house at six o'clock as organized, I, and I remember checking my phone at like five forty and being like, that guy's coming at six. I remember. And then I just, I was like talking to a mate on my phone and it just like, it just, it left my mind. It completely left my fucking head. And, um, and then at six thirty, I checked my fo- like my messages again. And it was like messages from him at 6, 605, 610 going like, brother, where are you? I'm at the front of your house and at 615, like no more. And I, I fucking message him at 630. I'm like, fuck, man, man, fuck, 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 I'm so sorry, fuck. And he was like, dude, and I knew he'd come from like way out west. Like he'd traveled like half an hour to come here. And he just had gone home and I was like, mate, I'll get an Uber to your house. I'll bring the thing. He was like, no, man, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And I felt so bad and it was completely my fault. And I just, I don't know what I was trying to, I guess I was trying to break down because I let it ruin the next like hour or two of my evening because I was just like, why did I do that? Why did I 
just completely forget. I fucked this guy around. I felt so shitty. And I also missed out on the 40 bucks and selling this chair that would have kind of tied that whole thing up in a nice little bow. Done with selling the chairs. I missed out on that. And I just couldn't stop beating myself up about it. And uh, I realize that it was... Maybe similar as I kept saying to myself, I should know. I shouldn't. I shouldn't be doing that. I shouldn't be making mistakes like that. And it's that should that I was talking about with my fucking psych man in therapy, shooting and musting, putting that pressure on myself because she says that my therapist says the things that you say to yourself, you're only upset because of the things that you're telling yourself. And I realized in that situation with the chair, what I was telling myself was I shouldn't be making mistakes like that. How wild is that? That's the pressure that I'm putting on myself. I shouldn't be fucking up on that level. And like the anger, the anger that comes out, the disappointment at myself makes me feel so bad and causes me to sulk for the next two hours of my evening and go back to this conversation with my friend like all upset and go, oh, fuck, I just fucked this fucking thing up. I'm such a fucking idiot. And I think just now in uni, maybe, uni, oh, by the way, I keep calling TAFE. I'm doing this TAFE course and I keep calling it uni, <laughs> which is a real bummer because like evidently I, I just, I'm used to anything that I'm doing now. Like that's uni, you know, it's like, it's not uni, mate. It's TAFE. You are doing, you're doing TAFE. So come to terms with that. <laughs> and then for me, TAFE is just, it sits lower than university. It's not university. I didn't finish university. Um, anyway, yeah, so I, just with this morning, with this TAFE thing, when I've just decided that I didn't want to go, I think maybe the reason I'm lying to myself is because I don't want, I'm, again, I'm putting that pressure on myself. I should, I think what I'm saying to myself is I should just go because that's what I've, I've committed to going and so I should just go. <laughs> Maybe here is where the, there's a line where you should, the shooting, like the putting that, pre like, that, like that is actually verifiably true. I should go to TAFE because I have. <laughs> now, like she's going to make a whole new class for me and other people like me where I've just decided that I don't want to go. No, I should live up to that expectation. And that is, I don't know. I don't know if in that one, I sh like, what am I trying to say? There are some situations where using the word should is harmful to our mental health or psyche or whatever. And then there are some situations where it's warranted and it's like, no, you actually though should live up to your expectations because like in the situation with the chair, I'm like, yeah, okay, that guy, like it sucks, but... He also didn't wait out there for very long. I mean, he waited for 15 minutes. That's quite long, but he didn't come up. Like, I gave him my address. Just come and knock on my door, mate. Why are you going home? Like, all shy. Like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's, like, dangerous or something. Like, he doesn't want to come and knock on my door if that's, like, the way that I've decided to... I'm a murderer. I'm going to fucking kill this guy, but not if he's out on the street. I'm going to wait until he comes up into my house. And then when he knocks on my door, I've got the piano wire ready to fucking go over his neck. And, ah, you come into my house, you stupid cunt. And then he dies. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know why. What was he scared of that he didn't come and knock on my door? That's how I've been able to dismiss that. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I shouldn't make those mistakes, but also he should come and knock on my fucking door instead of just sitting out there all coquettish and then going home after 15 minutes and then being all sulky. No, don't come around to my house in an Uber. I've tried to make it better and it's not, you know. So that's how I can let myself off the hook with that one. But with this other, with TAFE, it's like, yeah, I should actually go next time. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to make it up by going to that class and being really attentive and whatever. And everyone gets one. You get to, it's fucking two hours. It's understandable why I didn't go, you know? And at the end of the day, I guess what this psychology thing is teaching me how to do is to stop beating myself up about it over and over again to just go, here's what I want to do now. I'm going to go to the class in the future and I want to be very attentive and a good student and I want to work hard and I'm going to fucking do it. And now that I've, I've committed myself to that or a new commitment, I can stop beating myself up about not going to the work health and safety thing this morning. All right, done. Let's move on. Um, here's a reason why I don't feel, look, just calming it down again for a second. I feel myself getting caught up in like needing to talk more and more and more. And I, I, I'm like stressing myself out a bit. I think I'm quite stressed this morning. Yeah, that's right. Look, all I want to do actually right now, I do like the podcast for me at the moment is the one thing that I have because I don't have stand up. And so I'm very focused on it and I'm like, I'm putting a lot of kind of, I'm putting a lot more work into it than what I normally am in terms of preparation. But all I want to do right now is play The Witcher 3, which I downloaded over the weekend and I finally got my Mac to work with Windows and I, and like just this game that I've been waiting to play because it's supposedly like the best role-playing game and it's story and whatever and I just I've been building it up in my head for the last month now that I've been playing Civilization for you know months and the world still isn't back to normal and I don't have my life back I'm like oh what's another game I can play in The Witcher everyone says The Witcher stands alone in in this genre of games it's just it's it's the greatest it's on its own level it's the Napoleon of you know, story-based role-playing games, whatever. I don't know. I think a lot of people that I talk to don't build games up the way that I do. Everyone just plays games. I don't understand how people are able to do that. A lot of my friends, that they don't take it on as like a part of their identity. They're just like, yeah, I play some games. I talked to someone recently. They were like, yeah, I played that game. And I'm like, and you never talk about it. How is it that other people are allowed to do things or that not allowed, they're able to do things like this and not talk about it and just, and just have it be a thing that they did. <clears throat> but suddenly if I want to play The Witcher 3, it has to be an event. <laughs> it has to be something that I build up to over months and I prepare myself. I lay the, the psychological groundwork to ready myself for the event of playing The Witcher 3. dun dun dun, dun. Um, well, that's what I've done anyway. I downloaded it and I finally got it to work last night, put windows on my Mac and it's working and, and now all I want to fucking do is play it. I woke up this morning. (laughs) I think that's why I didn't go to TAFE. (laughs) The reason I didn't want to go to TAFE is because I fucking wanted to stay up late last night and play The Witch. Oh dear, that is the reason, isn't it? Fuck. 
And that's why I feel guilty is because I want to, <laughs> I want to play this game. I didn't go to TAFE because I, I want to play a video game. Oh, damn it. Fuck. How have I only just realized that? I didn't even start that late. I put myself to bed at 12.30, but I, you know, I would need to get up at like 6.50 and that's just, it's like fucking six hours sleep and I'm like, no, nope, no, thank you. I don't care about TAFE that much that I... <laughs> yeah. And here, look, all right. So here's what I'm, what I'm realizing about this TAFE course. Um, and it's not the course, but it's just, all right, comedy, the reason I love, no, one of the things I love about comedy is the kind of, it exists outside of normal society, doesn't it? The world of comedy, sorry, I'm just checking that my video is still working. The world of comedy exists outside of like what's happening right now, COVID, in case you haven't heard of it, is uh, is like a societal forest fire burning through society and it's awful. It's horrific and it's ruining people's lives and causing damage and costing money and all of this. But the one good thing that everyone always says with a fire is it clears out all the dead wood. Like it's there's a purpose to it and it clears out all the dead wood and allows new growth. And in society, there is some, there are some things that are so central to society that they will never burn in a fire, in a situation like this. Um, I'm thinking about institutions like banks, governmental institutions, um, educational institutions are another one. These are the kind of institutions that have been around for like two, three, four hundred, like hundreds of years, right? The, the grand old institutions of our society. And those are things that will never burn. Or if they do, it's because all of society has collapsed, like Rome, you know? But comedy is not central to our society and, and the entertainment industry and the things that... Are, the, the, the place where I want to build my life are more peripheral. So the oldest institution in comedy is the Edinburgh Fringe, and that's been going since 1957. The comedy festival has been going since the late 80s, I think, in Melbourne. And that's the third biggest comedy festival in the world. These are things that are central to comedy, but not central to society. And when something like this comes along and rips through our world, these things are the first to go, you know? So... People talk about like, oh, comedy has to, how, how are we going to live in a world without comedy? And I think people really confuse comedy, conflate comedy with laughter. Laughter will always exist and, and people need laughter and the serotonin release. That's what people say, oh, we need comedy because when you laugh, you release serotonin and it makes you feel good and we need laughter to live happy lives. I was like, yeah, we need laughter to live happy lives. We don't need comedy though, stand-up comedy for laughter to exist. Maybe comedy will die. And if comedy doesn't die, what we don't like, even if, okay, we, comedy still survives, that's not to say that the Melbourne Comedy Festival or the Edinburgh Fringe or whatever institutions around comedy will survive. And this is why, this is the difference for me in between comedy and going to TAFE, is because when those institutions die, the new ones that come up, like, all right, in TAFE at the moment, this work, health and safety course, I fucking hate it, man. I hate it. It is 
mind-numbing and it just infuriating. And there was this one thing here that um, I am going to get to a point. I'm feeling very fucking focused in at the moment. This feels good. There was uh, so we're reading through all of these. Uh, what are they called? Um, policies and and procedures. Ugh. Learning the difference between a policy and a procedure, and what policy goals should be implemented by our institution so that we can achieve our goals. What procedural. Blah, 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 blah. And on the Department of Health and Safety website for Australia, there was this one sentence that I fucking. It just, I read it and I almost fucking dry heaved at just how awful, how inhuman, how impersonal they make live. All right. So here's the sentence. Uh, we're talking about drugs and alcohol in the workplace and what policies and procedures can be put in place to manage those sort of challenges that can arise from drugs and alcohol in the workplace. When approaching an affected employee, it can be more effective and less confronting to talk in terms of their approach to safety and general work performance rather than their suspected drug or alcohol use. That is a direct quote from the Department of Health and Safety. So what, or Department of Human Services, some DHS, whatever. And what that says to me is like, if someone is drunk at your work, don't approach them and talk about how they're drunk. Approach them and talk about how, if you're working at, I'm imagining Coles, Nightfield, right? If they're stacking shelves, don't go, hey man, you're drunk. You got to go, hey, you're all falling all over the place. And is that okay? And I guess the reason they've put it like that is because like, what if they've got some sort of impairment or awful thing that means that they seem drunk, but actually they're not drunk. It all seems very well and good, but what they're saying there is don't worry about the cause of the reason, just worry about their performance in their job. They're not able to stack shelves effectively, so you need to address that rather than the cause. But that completely ignores the person behind like, what if the reason that they're drunk is because they have some awful thing in their life and by not addressing that, by being too scared to go into the reasons because of your own fucking, you know, position at work, you're then ignoring the person that is unable to do the job. Like, okay, maybe the reason they're unable to do their job correctly is because they have some mental disability thing, whatever. Or maybe it is because they're drunk, but maybe the reason they're drunk is because they have some other thing going on. Maybe they're depressed. Maybe their fucking dad just died. Maybe... <clears throat> Maybe they have problems with drug and alcohol abuse for their whole lives. And everyone has just gone, oh, sorry, man, you can't stack shelves. So, you know, you're fired. Sorry, not good enough. Rather than going, hey, man, maybe you need some extra help. In Like, it's so impersonal and dehumanizing. Does that make sense? Like, in in being too scared to talk about this kind of problem, like, they're deciding in that sentence... When approaching them, it can be more effective and less confronting to talk in terms of their approach to safety and general work performance rather than their suspected alcohol and drug use. They're basically deciding that the reasons, there are some reasons that are more important and like drug and alcohol use, they're saying, isn't an inherent problem in and of itself. I don't know. I fucking was going round and round. And so I don't think I can quite figure out what that, what the problem is with that sentence for me, but... In an institution like this, that's a, a, an, inst a, 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 an educational institution or in like, you know, work, government, work, health and safety, these old institutions that are built up over long periods of time, you get shit like that that's so impersonal. 
And it's because these institutions are so big and so fucking ossified, right? They're like, they're like fossilized in their old ways. And that, that needs to fucking go. That bullshit, man. That makes me feel sick to my stomach to read something like that. And that kind of language and that kind of tone and that way of dehumanizing people in the system will never exist in stand-up comedy because the institutions aren't allowed to grow to that sort of scale. Does that make sense? Like the, the going into TAFE every day and having to interact with something that's so stuffy and impersonal and like just having to learn about this stuff and realizing if I continue on this road, this is the kind of world that I'm going to have to exist in. The prospect of that makes me fucking want to curl up in a ball and cry. And I think the reason that I never got this feeling in comedy is because the oldest institution in comedy is still only 60 years old and it's the Edinburgh Fringe. And like the closest that I ever got to having to interact with that kind of world in comedy was the Melbourne Comedy Festival make you get insurance. They make you get uh, public liability insurance if you're going to put a show on and that's it. It costs 60 bucks. You don't need to do a fucking course or sensitivity training, or any bullshit like that. And if that institution was going in that direction, because the whole reason that that exists is because someone went up to someone that they thought was drunk once, right? And they went, you're drunk. And they went, no, I'm not. I have fucking this thing, whatever. Shit that I'm scared to say. I don't know. Cerebral palsy or something. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? They went up to someone and they said, you're fucking drunk. And they went, no, I'm not. I'm this And then that person who accused them of being drunk got sued. And now every fucking workplace has to have something where they're like, don't say anyone's drunk. Just say they can't stack shelves because otherwise you'll get sued for calling someone drunk when they're actually disabled or whatever the fucking word is. I don't know. I'm sorry. (laughs) And that will never happen in comedy because if that's the direction that our institutions were going in, well, they're going to get burned down, right? Maybe Melbourne Comedy Festival won't exist this time next year. And that doesn't mean that comedy won't exist, but the people who are doing comedy, like if Melbourne Comedy Festival dies... And I hope it doesn't because it's a great fucking thing and the people who do it work hard and I'm so grateful for them and for that. But if it ceases to exist, the people who are stand-up comedy, like me and my friends and, and other comedians, the people who love it for it, not for the job, for doing it, we're not going to stop doing comedy. And maybe the people who, as much as I value their work, the people who run the Melbourne Comedy Festival... Maybe they have to get another job. Maybe they have to go into another arts administration job or maybe there are no arts administration jobs. Maybe they just have to go into some administration job because that's the way they make their money and, and they can't work in comedy anymore because the, the role that they had that was around stand-up comedy doesn't exist. So they have to go and fucking you know, work in a marketing firm or something. But for me and the people who actually get on stage and do it, that role is always going to be there because there's no way that that doesn't exist because I'll do it for free. And maybe those people would do it for free. I don't know. But what I'm saying is the institution dies, but the thing that it was built around keeps going. 
And then when the thing keeps going, there's no way that I'm going to have to, like, even if I fucking get sued for, you know, calling someone drunk when they were actually disabled and I lose all my money or whatever, there's no way I'm not going down the pub to do stand-up comedy. Do you know what I mean? And I can still just tell people, hey, I'm putting on a stand-up comedy show and then they'll come and do it. I don't have to engage with that sort of legal bullshit to do the thing that I love. And, uh, and that's a part of why I love it, I guess. And going into TAFE and having to engage with this fucking shit makes me angry. And I've cried another couple times this week on my fucking bed. <laughs> because I'm just like, I can't, man. I can't, like, yesterday, you know, doing the fucking class from home. Watching PowerPoints while someone on Microsoft Teams explains to me about soiled strata and, and like, this is where rocks come from and this is why plants... And I'm like, oh... Ah! The whole time yesterday while I was sitting there watching that lady who's very fucking... She's trying her best. She's not having a good time either. This isn't how she fucking pictured her life going. If you're watching online, seeing how my hands are going right now, you're like, this dude is about to snap. (laughs) With my hand. This is just, this isn't how it's supposed to be. And yesterday, as soon as I, for about half an hour before I knew she was going to call a break, for about half an hour before that, I just knew as soon as she calls this break, I'm going to turn my camera and my microphone off and I'm going to lie on my bed with my face down on my pillow and I'm going to wait until the heaving sobs come because that's what I've learned. That's how you cry and uh, and it, it kind of worked, whatever. <sighs> All right. Well, that was okay, wasn't it? Fucking that's half an hour of bitching about my stupid fucking life. Uh, The picture this week (laughs) is a picture of me. I got uh, my homeboy Phil came around on Sunday and in the driveway we fixed up my bike. Maybe that's part of the reason why we're uh, going into stage four lockdowns is because even though you're not allowed to come around to someone's house, my mate still did. And it's in the driveway, we're outside, we're fucking social distancing, but it's still like, uh, probably shouldn't be doing that. But anyway, I got a new bike, I got a bike, the neighbours gave me a bike for free, so lovely. And Phil came around and we fixed it, and um, and my friend uh, Raywin Pickering, shout out to the uh, the very funny Raywin Pickering, made uh, a couple masks for me, she's been making homemade masks for her friends and fam, she uh, put them in my mailbox, so I got that. And I took a picture of myself wearing the mask that she made in front of the bike that Phil fixed for me, that my neighbors gave me, wearing a shirt that my friend got me from whatever that I'm not allowed to even talk about. And <laughs> it's whatever, a, friend, a shirt that my friend gave me. Um, and I took a picture of all that stuff just to be like, thanks, everyone. No, 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 no. <clears throat> And what I did as soon as I took that picture was I rode to uh, another friend, Annie Louie's house, who, by the way, if you're uh, in Melbourne and you want to listen to, fuck, what's the radio station? Is it Joy FM? I think it's Joy FM. Let me do this shout out correctly. Annie and Ando on uh, Joy 949 
Um, they are the Breakfast Radio Show, Annie and Ando. Uh, follow them on uh, follow them on Instagram, Annie and Ando. A n n i e a n d a n d o. They got a breakfast radio show on Joy FM in Melbourne, and uh, Annie's also a stand up comic and uh, and a friend of mine. And she, uh, I, I finished a jigsaw with my housemate. And uh, it was like this 2,000-piece jigsaw that we were doing for like a month. And I put on, fa- on on Instagram, like, hey, I finished the jigsaw. Can someone fucking take it off my hands now? Because that's the thing. When you finish a jigsaw, it stops being an activity and now starts just because it's, it's – from the moment you put that last piece in, that jigsaw is now just like <laughs> it's a very beautifully arranged piece of garbage in your house that you have to fucking dispose of. Because you're not going to be one of those losers who fucking puts glue on it and sets it on the wall. Like, are you? Really? Is that how? Is that the level of achievement that that was for you that now it has to hang on your wall forever? I did a jigsaw. <laughs> like, there it is. Every time someone comes around my house for dinner, look at that. I did a jigsaw in 2020. Remember when we were all locked down for a while and I'd fucking spent a month putting bits of cardboard together? Well, I felt like I had to immortalize that on the wall of my lounge room because that is as good as my life gets. No, I'm not going to be that person. But it just sits there because you're also like, I don't want to destroy it. It's hard, man. Do you not realize when you buy a jigsaw, buying a jigsaw is like getting a puppy. And it's fun when you're teaching it how to shit outside and, you know, pee in a cup and jump through the ring of fire or whatever you teach your puppies to do. But as soon as you fucking finish that, you complete it. You now just have a dog for 15 to 20 years or what? 10 to 20. I don't know how long dogs, how long the dogs live. 45 minutes. <laughs> um, yeah. The, the finished jigsaw is like the puppy every day staring at you going, are you going to engage with me again? And you're like, Oh God, you were fun for a month. Uh, um, now I just want to give you to my friend. So that's what I did with the jigsaw. I took a picture of it and I was just like, hey, you know. But I was hoping to exchange it for uh, another jigsaw with someone else. And um, Annie messaged me and said, hey, I'll trade you for some cookies or scones or whatever. And I was like, well, I was hoping for a jigsaw, mate. So how about you go fuck yourself? <laughs> and then I kind of, about a week later, I was like, who the fuck am I, man? Like give something that's what i'm trying to do right now maybe this will be a nice place to end the podcast it's like it's very difficult in this time to i've i've noticed how uh nice it feels to give people stuff when i'm angry at someone or when i'm just upset in general i can it feels really good to give something to someone or to do something nice rather than just stew on that anger and uh I found as well, actually, I'll talk about this and then I'll I'll finish up this story. Another technique that's really been helping me that I learned in meditation like two years ago is noting. So I was doing a meditation uh, through that Headspace app, you know, and there was, uh, let me just take a sip of my tea here. Oh. There was a, um, there's like little 30 day courses on Headspace and there was one about coping with uh, addiction and addiction is all about repeated patterns of thought and there's a technique called noting where the way they explain it, the the, um, image they use to explain it on the Headspace app is you're walking down the street every day, you fall in a hole, 
And if you're not paying attention to where the hole is, you fall in one day and you're like, fuck, I fell in this fucking hole. The next day, you're not paying attention. You're caught up in your own thoughts of I've got to do this and that and this. And then you fall in the hole again. You still don't really know where the hole is. But if you start paying attention to your thoughts every day, you notice or you start paying attention to where you're going every day, right? You notice, oh, there's that tree and there's that sign and, oh, I fell down that hole. Oh, the next day you notice the tree and the sign. You're like, oh, there's that hole. Maybe you still fall down, but you keep noticing. And then eventually you know where the hole is. You walk around it. And that is, I guess, an image or an allegory or whatever for repeated patterns of thought that you're trying to avoid. That if you know how the thought starts before you get to that place where you're just angry and you need a fucking whatever, if you know where the thought starts, if you pay attention to where the thought starts every time, then you can notice it when it starts and cut it off before you get to the end. And the way you can cut it off is not be scared or go, oh, fuck, get away, get away. If you can just be calm and notice, oh, there's that thought. And the way that it trains you to do that is you sit there and meditate and try and just sit with your thought. And every time you notice a stray thought coming into your head, you just notice it. You go, hey, that's that's thinking or that's feeling. Is it a thought or is it a feeling? You just notice it. He says it's like a little feather touch. You go, oh, thinking. I hate his voice, by the way. His voice makes me angry because <laughs> he's so calm all the time. He's like, oh, oh, there it is. <laughs> like everything he says is like, it's like a little bit funny. He's like, oh, I'm... I'm just slightly amused by the thing that I've just realized about myself. <laughs> Thinking. <laughs> I'm like, fuck you. I can't fucking do this every time. I want him to be a little bit angry. I want him to be like it would make me feel better if rather than him butting in every now and then with his little contented oh, thinking. If instead of that, he was just off in the, in the corner going, oh, I don't know how to fucking do it either, man. Shit. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, so it trained me to – two years ago I learned that, but I didn't really understand what the application of it would be. But now it started with thoughts of that the breakup, spiraling thoughts of that, and, you know, I applied it to that. And now I'm applying it to this fucking pandemic and these thoughts about my life being different to what it was because every day, man, I get caught up in the spiral of – anger and I don't have anyone to be angry at so it's just this anger that just it goes nowhere and I've started to notice okay if I can stop that before it starts if I can stop going down that rabbit hole when it starts I just rather than kind of try and think my way out of it or think of new ways to approach it I just go oh there's a there's a thought again and in the way that you become everything you hate the most, I've a little bit like become that fucking Andy guy from Headspace because every time I start thinking about the pandemic and comedy and how it's not where I, you know, my life is not what I want it to be, I've started trying to just go, oh, there's that thought again. Oh, there's the anger. And, um, and maybe react to it in a different way and... One way I'm trying to react to it is to try and be generous and to give something to people. God, I, yeah, a little bit of this is making me, <laughs> I don't know, actually, this feels weird. I feel different. I want to say right now, my reflex and my instinct is to say that this feels kind of gross to just go, oh, I, to, I, I want to say that it feels gross to be talking in this kind of sweet, oversweet, like saccharine way about, 
giving, but actually it doesn't. I feel kind of good about it. So I've been trying to give, I've been trying to think of ways to give, but it's hard to give when you can't be around people. And one way that I realized I could give and say thank you to Annie because actually she had me on as a brief guest on her radio show, Annie and Ando. A way that I've figured out to give what I can give to her is the puzzle. She asked me and she wanted to trade, but I didn't want to trade for the, because, you know, she didn't have what I wanted. And I thought, why should I get something from this? Why can't I just give something to her? So I thought, I know, I want to ride around to her house. I got her address. I didn't tell her what I was going to give her. I just said, I got a surprise for you. And then I rode around on my new bike with uh, my new bike that was given to me and repaired to me by a, repaired by a friend with my clothes that were given to me, wearing my mask that was given to me by some my friend to give something to my friend, Annie Louie. And I gave it to her and I told her this story and I said, I've been noticing that when I feel bad or angry at someone, I give something away and it makes me feel better. And she said, oh, fuck, does that mean you're mad at me? And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, dude. You should have had me on more times on your fucking radio show. <laughs> Put me on again, you fucking dick. I didn't say that. I said, no, you're lovely. Thank you for putting me on. And blah, blah, blah. Whatever, whatever. That was it, right? What a nice... I think that's it, man. I think that's the ending. Anyway, I got some more stuff to say next week, actually. But I'm running out of time. I don't want to fucking talk your ears off anymore. So I'm just going to play a song. The song this week is called All My Happiness Is Gone by the Purple Mountains. Or Purple Mountains. Maybe it's not the Purple Mountains. I think it's just Purple Mountains. And... Um, to tease you for next week's pod, I think this might be the last week when I play a song at the end of the podcast because uh, I've got a bit of an announcement next week, maybe. But with that, this is All My Happiness Is Gone. <laughs> Very fitting for the mood this week by Purple Mountains. Thank you guys for listening. This has been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree. Peace.
the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com.